You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. In Jeremiah chapter 1, if you'll notice with me in verse number 1, we started our series last week on this book, and we won't go verse by verse. We really will not even go chapter by chapter, but we'll work through it. My guess is it'll probably take us about 10 or 12 weeks. Don't, don't hold me to it. But we, we covered last week, by way of introduction, we, com, we, we covered the compassion of Jeremiah. He is known as the weeping prophet. But tonight I'd like for you to see, and I'd like for us to study for a few moments tonight, the country. I want you to see what his country was really like. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm thankful we live in the United States of America. We're blessed to live in this country. But I think we have to understand that our country today is different than it was 20 years ago. Our country today is different than it was 30 years ago. It's different today than it was 40 years ago. Things have changed. And that's not to say that we'd rather live anywhere else but that is to say we, we need to know what's going on. We need to know and understand the times. And I think the more we study and the more we get in the book, I think the more we realize that Jesus is coming soon. And I think we need to have our eyes open. I think we need to have uh, our hearts ready. And I think our service for God ought to be an overdrive. I think we ought to do all we can while we have time. Jeremiah was ministering to people, and he didn't have a lot of time. His time clock was not the rapture. His time clock was the judgment of God, a, tribu a, 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 a captivity that was coming, 70 years of captivity that God's people would face. It says in verse 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of, of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at your word. I pray you'd speak to us. And Lord, may your word, may it come alive. May it be very clear. Uh, may it be practical, and Lord, we know your word is powerful, but I pray we would uh, receive it, and I pray that we would be uh, open, and I pray that we would be hungry for it tonight, and may we take it to heart, may we live it, we pray. Help us, Lord, as we look at this book of Jeremiah, may it stir our hearts for our nation, and may it stir our hearts for our country and for our people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah was born in a city called Anathoth, just a few miles away from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is, was the capital city of Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom, and Israel at this time in, in Scripture was referred to as the northern kingdom. If you remember, the, the kingdom of Israel, it split after Solomon. Uh, Solomon's son came on the scene. He did not listen to the advice of the older, wiser men. And uh, he listened to his peers and he listened to his buddies and the kingdom split. And from that time on in Israel, you have the northern kingdom of Israel and you have the southern kingdom of Judah. 
Well, at this time, the northern kingdom has already gone into captivity in Assyria. The southern kingdom was usually they had the better kings and usually they were more concerned with their relationship with the Lord. So the southern kingdom of Judah, that's where Jeremiah was preaching. They were right now at a time when they had a good king. Their king was a young man by the name of Josiah. The Bible says that when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, it was in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. Well, Josiah became king when he was eight years old. Can you imagine putting an eight-year-old in charge of anything? We've got Lacey and Savannah that are going to be eight next month. And, I, and by the way, and they're wonderful. And they're, they're great. But there are some times where you scratch your head and you think, what are we doing wrong? We just blame it on the master club workers, you know, like Brother Curry or something like that, or blame it on the, 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 the Sunday school teachers. But an eight-year-old Josiah, he was the king, and now he's been a king for 13 years. He's about 21 years old, but he was an incredible king in Judah. We'll look at that in just a moment. Jeremiah's father was a man by the name of Hilkiah. Now, we'll, we'll see in a moment that during the reign of Josiah, there was a priest by the name of Hilkiah, and that priest is the one who discovered the book of the law. It had been buried in the rubble in the temple, and that was what sparked a revival, and that is what caused God's people to open their eyes when they found the Bible. When they got back to the book, and I want to tell you, there can be and there could be a revival in our country if we would just get back to this book. If our homes could experience reading this book and studying this book and obeying this book, I want to tell you there is power in the Word of God. And Hilkiah was a priest who discovered it. Some Bible scholars think it was a different Hilkiah, but it very likely could have been the father of Jeremiah who found the Bible. He found the book of the law buried in the temple. The Bible tells us and history tells us that Josiah was the king at the time that Jeremiah started his ministry. Josiah and Jeremiah were very close in age and probably they were friends, and probably they grew up around, around each other. But Jeremiah's ministry began at about the age of 20. So Josiah, if he was in the 13th year of his reign, he was about 21, and Jeremiah was about 20 when he started preaching. And these two men were very influential in seeing the nation of Judah turn back to God. Jeremiah would prophesy... For about 50 years, Jeremiah's prophecies would continue all the way into the Babylonian captivity. Very quickly, if we, as we look at the life of Josiah, I'm going to give you just a few uh, kind of bullets here just to give you a little idea of what Josiah did. Josiah became king when he was eight. The Bible tells us that when Josiah was 16, the Bible says he began to seek the Lord. Isn't that awesome to think here was a young man, he was 16 years old and he was in way over his head, but he had enough sense to know, I need the Lord. And he began to seek the Lord when he was 16. 
When Josiah was uh, in the 12th year of his reign, the Bible tells us um, that he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. He, he, he started to seek the Lord, and as he got closer to the Lord, he saw there were some things in his kingdom that were not right. He saw there were some things going on in Judah that needed to be corrected, and he began a purging of Judah and Jerusalem. It's interesting that although he began that, it was not until eight years later that really that came to fruition. And it all came, and it all happened, it all came to completion when the book of the law was found in the temple. That's when revival really hit Jerusalem and Judah. The Bible tells us that Josiah died when he was 39 years old. But what's amazing is he had been king for 31 years. He did so many amazing things. His purging of the temple is one of the great accomplishments. Matthew Henry, a, a Bible commentator, he says that there must have been some great opposition to the changes that Josiah was trying to make. Therefore, it was not concluded until the book of the law was found. When the Bible was found, and I say the Bible, it was the, the Old Testament law that was found at this time. When that was found, Josiah gave some specifics about what needed to be changed in Judah. He said, one, he said, we've got to get rid of the idolatrous priests. You know what was going on in Judah? There were some priests who were not worshiping the true God. They were worshiping idols. They were worshiping false gods. They were burning offerings and they were offering sacrifices to false gods. And Josiah said, that is enough. Can I tell you, that's what it would take in our country to see revival. We need for some of God's men and for some of God's people to stand up and say, all this stuff that claims to be religion and all this stuff that claims to be a church and all this stuff that claims to be good and wholesome, there's a lot of it that's going on, even in Jesus' name, that is a mockery. There's a lot of it that's going on that is, is nothing but sacrilege. Josiah also ordered for uh, the, the burning of incense to stop throughout the history of Judah, they had gotten away from doing it God's way and they started to do it their own way. And Josiah said, hang on, we've got the Bible now and we've got the book right now and let me tell you how God said it's supposed to be. And they put a stop to that. It's interesting, another thing that Josiah did, this was going on in Jerusalem at the time. The Bible says that he broke down the houses of the Sodomites. Isn't that amazing that in the nation of Judah, at this time, there were people that were living a wicked, abominable lifestyle before God, and they actually called them Sodomites. You say, where'd they get that name? They got it from Sodom and Gomorrah. And these people were living wicked. Can I tell you, it's nothing new that we're seeing wickedness today. Can I tell you, sin has not just been invented. Sin has been around for a long time. Ever since there was someone in heaven who said, I'll be like the Most High and I will be like God and Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. Can I tell you, it has been his mission to see as many people as he can. Sin, do wickedly, do vilely, to, uh, to, to, to be a stench in the nostrils of God. And Josiah said, we are going to clean house and 
they did under his reign. Josiah was the last good king of Judah. Jeremiah got to witness that. Jeremiah got to preach even during the reign of Josiah. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles, would you turn back there please to 2 Chronicles? I want you to see this. It says in verse number 35, and I'm giving you a lot of information. I'm going to bring it all together here in just a minute. 2 Chronicles 35, the Bible tells us that Josiah, in verse number 20, 2 Chronicles 35, 20, it says after all this, after the, 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 the Passover, after the purging, after the revival, all that, after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he, that is Pharaoh, Pharaoh Necho, the king of Egypt, he sent ambassadors to him, saying, What have I to do with thee, thou king of Judah? That's Josiah. I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For God commanded me to make haste. Forbear thee, this is Pharaoh, this is a heathen king, but he's telling Josiah, God told me, this is none of your business. Don't mess with this battle. He says, don't, the word he uses there is uh, to forbear thee from meddling with God who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Verse 22, nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him and hearken not unto the words of Necho from the mouth of God and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot at King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Have me away, for I am sore wounded. And his servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died and was buried in one of the sepulchers of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. And look at verse 25. And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah. And all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentations. We see that King Josiah, he died fighting a battle that was not his to fight. And he was even warned. God even gave a message through the Egyptian king. And the Egyptian king sent messengers and said, God told me to tell you, this is not your battle. Stay out of it. And guess what? He didn't listen, and it cost him his life. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. We find in 2 Chronicles 36, and I won't read all the verses, but we find that after Josiah, there was a king by the name of Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz was only king for three months, and after him, Jehoiakim came to the throne. Jehoiakim reigned in Jerusalem for 11 years, and Jeremiah warned him. He said, I need to tell you, Nebuchadnezzar's coming. And you're going to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, if you don't listen. But Jehoiakim did not listen, and he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar and was taken captive into Babylon. After Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin became king, and he reigned for three months and ten days. And he was taken captive to Babylon. And after Jehoiachin, there was a man by the name of Zedekiah. He reigned for 11 years. But when he rebelled, Nebuchadnezzar came, he destroyed Jerusalem, he took captives. Nebuchadnezzar actually took King Zedekiah's sons 
and killed them in front of Zedekiah. He made Zedekiah witness the execution of his own sons. And then Nebuchadnezzar had his soldiers put out the eyes of King Zedekiah and blind him so that the last thing he saw with his eyes was the death of his own sons that it was his fault because he did not listen to God. You know what's amazing is during all the time of all these kings and all of these things in Judah, the people refused to listen to God. They refused to listen to the warnings of God from a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. After Josiah, the nation of Judah went downhill very fast. They backslid, and we'll talk about that in the weeks to come, about how God's people got away from God. They backslid from where they used to be, and they were not as close, and they were not in a relationship with God like they once had. I want to give you, as we've looked at the the country of Judah and the, the culture and the climate and what was going on at the time of Jeremiah, I want to give you just a few few takeaways, a few thoughts from this very, very brief history. Number one, I want to say this, that we all should do our very best to make the decision to live for God as soon as we possibly can. And I take that from the story of Josiah. Josiah, when he was 16, he said, I'm going to start seeking God. Did you know if you don't start seeking God as a young person, you may never do it. If you don't start seeking God as a young adult, you may never do it. And I know in this room, we've got some who, who you're up in your, your adult years and you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and many of you, you made the decision a long time ago to serve God and you made the decision a long time ago to live for God. Aren't you glad you made that decision? And by the way, that's not to say that you can't make that decision in your 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s. But what I'm saying is, as soon as possible, make the decision to live for God. That's why it's so crucial for our children's ministries. That's why it's so critical for our teen ministries, because decisions made in our early years, those decisions, they set the direction for the rest of our lives. Can I tell you, I'm thankful that Josiah made that decision. He didn't put it off. He didn't postpone it. He didn't ignore it. He he didn't miss out on serving God, but Josiah did so much good, but he made the decision early in his life. Ecclesiastes 12.1, the Bible tells us, Solomon, he wrote and he said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Can I tell you the best time to live for God is right now, as soon as you possibly can. Josiah made that decision. Number one, make the decision to live for God as early as possible. Secondly, I see from the story of the reformation that took place in the temple and in Jerusalem, I see that outward reformation is not the same as inward transformation. Now, now here's, and I didn't get into this, we'll get into this at some point, but I didn't get into all this, but Josiah pushed hard to clean house. He pushed hard to get rid of the wickedness and he pushed hard to get rid of the idols and he pushed hard to try to get people back on track. But you know what happened? He found that just trying to clean up the outside, that doesn't last very long. Just having a lot of outward rules, can I tell you, I'm all for rules. 
And I think the Bible, and when you read the Bible, you'll find out that the Bible is in favor of rules. God gave his people 10 commandments. And if you study the, uh, the Old Testament, there was a whole lot more than 10, but 10 really sum it up. But can I tell you, the outward, the outward reformation is not the goal. When we send our children to master clubs and we send our teens to Teens on Target and we bring them to Sunday school and when we have family devotions and when we teach our children the Bible, our goal is not just to get them to reform on the outside. The goal is that God would get a hold of their heart. My goal as a pastor for you, my goal is not just that you look the part on Sundays and you know how to act the part on Wednesday nights or you know how to act the part when you're in public, but my desire for this church and my desire for you and my desire for my own life is that we would be so genuine and we would be so real and it would be 24-7 and it would be around the clock and it doesn't matter who's around. It doesn't matter if the whole world's watching. It doesn't matter if nobody's watching. But our Christianity is more than on the outside. It's on the inside. There's an inward transformation. You see, we must pray that God would not only change the actions of our young people, and we must pray not only that God would change the, the actions of our children, but we must pray that God would change the heart because that's the only real change that's going to work. That's the only change that's going to last. That's why many times young people, they'll go to the youth group or they'll go to the activities or they'll go to a teen camp, but many times when they turn 18 and they leave the house, they say goodbye to Christianity. And they say goodbye to church, and you say, well, what happened? I'll tell you what happened in many cases was it wasn't real in their heart. It was just something that they put on. It was just on the outside. But we see in Judah, we see that a relationship with the Lord is what really matters. We see that being real is what really counts, not just the superficial, not just the outward and the exterior. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and I know this is talking about salvation, but this is so good. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He doesn't just have some different habits. He doesn't just have some different activities. He doesn't just have some different words he uses, but he is a brand new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Outward reformation, that's not the goal. It's not the same as in, inward transformation. Number three, and I've already alluded to this, but I see from the background of Jeremiah and from the nation of Judah, I see that the word of God can still change a life. It can change a home. It can change a church. It can change a country. And if I did not believe that, I would pack up tonight and I would never stand behind this pulpit again. If all I had to share with you were my thoughts or my ideas or what I read in some book somewhere one time that I thought was cute, I'd go get an honest job. But I want to tell you, I believe that the Bible is more than just a collection of man's ideas. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It is powerful and the Word of God is what changed the, the land of Judah, what changed a nation was when they found the Bible. Now, I know what you're thinking. I shouldn't say I know what you're thinking. I think I know what you're thinking. But we say, Pastor, we haven't lost the Bible. 
Most of us have it with us right now. Most of us have a couple extra copies sitting at home. Uh, most of us have it on our phone, or we have it on our tablet, or we have it on our computer, and got it on our iPod or our iPad or whatever you've got. Or your what was that we said the other day? The the um, the record player, the eight track. I mean, we've got it, right? We've got the Bible one way or another. We've got the Bible. But here's the question: Are we reading it? You see. I'm glad you come to church and don't stop coming to church because we need church. I talked about that Sunday morning. We need church. But I don't believe you're going to be victorious and I don't believe you're going to find and discover the joy of the Lord in your life from Sunday and Wednesday only. If the only Bible you get is the preaching at church, you're going to be starving to death. You're going to be malnourished. You've got to get in this book, and I've got to get in this book, and we must make the Bible a part of our lives. I'm ashamed sometimes at how much, we, how much time we spend on our phones. And I understand for work and things, that's, that's a must, or for, for many of you, or your computer, you have to do that for work. But I'm talking about when you tally up the time on the television or the time on the, the DVDs, or the time on the, the games, or whatever. And then you just take that time, and you compare it to how much time we spend in the Bible. And I tell you, it's no wonder that we're struggling spiritually. It's no wonder that we're having difficulty and we're losing the battle. The Word of God can change a life. My uh, wife and I, we've talked a lot about this, and with our girls, we've tried to figure out with their ages, and with devotions, and all that, and so... I'll have devotions with Lacey and Savannah while Joanna's getting Chloe and Kylie ready, and then I'll try to, uh, uh, try to have Chloe in devotions with us when we can. Um, Kylie, um, her attention span is not there yet, and Chloe's is getting there, but last night I was, we were having devotions, and I had Chloe and Kylie on my lap first, and I was trying to do the devotions with them, and of course Kylie couldn't sit still, and Chloe kept calling it demotions. Daddy, when are we having demotions? And so I don't think she's getting it yet, but we're working at it. And then I thought, well, they may not be getting it, but Lacey and Savannah, they're getting it. You know, they're smart girls. I mean, look at their parents. I mean, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, you know, you know, they've got to be smart. And you know, I was, I was feeling real good about myself. And I explained to them we were talking last night about how God is uh, is everywhere at the same time, and He knows everything, and He can do anything, and He's all powerful. And it was. I mean, it was good. I mean, revival didn't quite break out in devotions, but it was good. And then we were having a little testimony time in there. Oh, it was great. And Savannah, Savannah had this question, and she was really thinking about it. It was real deep. I could tell it was going to be a good question because I, I had just taught her so well. And uh, she said, uh, Dad, so, so what you're telling me about God being everywhere at the same time, she said, so, so what you're saying is, if we wanted to plan a surprise party for God, it wouldn't work. And I said, go to bed. No, I didn't say that. I said, I said, you know, Savannah, you're exactly right. That's why we just put it on the calendar and we have it. It's Christmas every year, you know, December 25th. But it cracked me up. You know, I don't know how much they're getting, but I tell you what, I want them to be getting the Bible and I want them to have time in the Bible and time in prayer. And I want the Bible to be real because I want to tell you what, this is the power. This is the power of God. This is the answer. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. The Bible has the answers. 
The Bible is the authority. The Bible is our confidence. This is our foundation. It's the Bible, and it can still change lives. Number four, I'm amazed when I see the life of Josiah. So much good that Josiah did. He was one of the greatest kings of Judah. And they saw revival, and they saw reform, and, and he was started so young, and he did so well. But then, isn't it so sad that at the end of his life, he blew it? He made a stupid decision. I don't usually use the word stupid in the pulpit, but he made a dumb decision. And it was very foolish. It wasn't even this battle, and he got involved. And you say, well, what a waste. But I want to tell you number four. No matter what I accomplish for God, and no matter what you accomplish for God, we are all, at the end of the day, we are all still flesh. Every one of us. I don't know if Josiah thought, I've done all these good things for God, and so therefore I can do my own thing now. I don't know what was going through his mind. But he had no business getting in that battle, and he didn't even listen to the warning from God. He said, I don't care. I'm going for it. I've got this. But Josiah accomplished so much for God, but for some reason, he got to the point where he thought he knew better than God. He didn't listen to the warning. Can I tell you, perhaps, we read the passage, perhaps Josiah did not believe the warning was from God. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was being deceived. I don't know. But I know this, we don't have that excuse because we've got the Bible. We've got the warnings. We've got the reproofs and we've got the correction and we've got the instruction of God. And we can't, we can't stand up and say, well, I didn't know any better. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Friend, we've got the Bible and we must remember that we are still flesh. I'm thankful for all the good that Josiah did and that good still happened and that good made a difference. But think about how much more Josiah could have accomplished for God. He died at 39 years old. He died after reigning for 31 years. But what if Josiah could have had 50 years? I wonder if maybe God's people could have turned back to God and maybe not gone into... I don't know how it could have been different. But I know this, I want to walk with God. And I don't want to come to the end of my life or I don't want to come to a point down the road where I think I know better than God or I think I know better than the Bible or I think I can just do my own thing. And friend, if you've been saved for any length of time, it's dangerous that we fall into that trap to think, I've heard that sermon before. I hope not, but there may be somebody here right now thinking, Pastor, I don't know why you're telling us that. We know all that. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. No matter what I accomplish, no matter what you accomplish, we are still flesh and we need the Lord. We can do nothing without him. Number five, when people make mistakes, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 35 that when Josiah died, Jeremiah was at the funeral. He was lamenting the death of Josiah. Josiah and Jeremiah were about the same age. So that means that when Josiah died at 39, Jeremiah was about 38. He was only about 18 years into his ministry. I'm so glad that Jeremiah didn't quit just because Josiah failed. I'm glad that Jeremiah didn't blame Josiah and blame God and quit preaching and quit serving God just because somebody let him down. 
I'm glad Jeremiah kept his eyes on Jesus. And I want to tell you, when people let you down, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. When people disappoint you, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Jeremiah's ministry did not end just because Josiah's reign did. Jeremiah did not get bitter. He didn't blame God. He didn't throw in the towel. He just kept on preaching and he kept his eyes on not King Josiah, but he kept his eyes on King Jesus. And I want to tell you, let's keep on serving God. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, even when people make mistakes. Paul said it like this. He said, you can follow me, but you better follow me as I follow Christ. And if somebody ever stops following Christ, we have responsibility to stop following that person. And we have responsibility to keep going after Jesus and keep following our Savior. Number five. Number six. I see in the background of Jeremiah and the condition of the country of Judah and the, and the city of Jerusalem there, I see that God does not call us to conform to the culture. You know, Jeremiah could have easily said, well, everybody's doing it. <laughs> even the religious people, even, the, even the, 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 the leaders, they're backslidden. They're not serving God. But God does not call us to be conformed to the culture. But God does call us to be conformed to Christ. And Jeremiah did not cave to the culture. Even though the people were backslidden, even though the kings after Josiah, they were as wicked as the devil. Even though those kings were terrible and awful kings, Jeremiah stayed faithful to God. Romans 8, 29, the Bible says that God has conformed us to the image of his son. We are to be like Jesus, not like the world. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, that's where the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has not called us to conform to the culture, but God has called us to be conformed to Christ. And I tell you, the culture that we live in today, it is not getting any better. It's getting worse. And if we are looking to the culture we are going to be so confused. We're going to be so messed up. We're going to be so discouraged. But if we'll just keep our eyes on Jesus, that's wonderful because he never changes. You don't have to worry what the culture's doing. You don't have to worry what the world's doing. You've seen the example before. But if, if, this, is, if this is Christ over here, and I'm just going to stay close to Christ and hang on to Christ, and, and, and the world's over here. But what if the world starts getting worse and worse and worse? Well, I'm not trying to keep my distance just from the world. That's not the measure of Christianity. I'm trying to stay as close to Christ as I can. And the world may be 100 million miles away, but that doesn't matter to me because I'm not worried about what they're doing. I'm worried about what Christ has called me to do and be conformed, not to the culture, but conformed to Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.